0: Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries, with founder and director Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing.
1: We're glad you joined us for another episode in our Grace Stories series. I think you'll also be glad that you joined us today. This podcast includes a lot of teaching episodes, but every other week we try to have a story from someone who encounters God's transforming grace. And I think you'll agree that no matter where we're from, our stories will all converge at the cross if we are believers in Jesus Christ. We have that in common as Christians. And some of us have come to a deeper appreciation of God's grace also, which I think is a deeper fellowship with one another. And it's a liberating fellowship, to understand God's love and grace, the way He intended us to, and maybe someday we can hear your story as well. Just drop me a note. So, there are many things that we take for granted as Christians. If we live in a country in the West, perhaps, or with a lot of religious freedom, and it's always good to get a pr- perspective from someone about what it means to be a Christian in another part of the world, and in fact. We're talking today to someone on the other side of the world. Very literally, he's a very strong advocate uh, for free grace with a passion for his country. And uh, in full disclosure, uh, he helps with this podcast editing. He does translation work. He has a wife and two children. Is everything I said okay?
0: Yes. Four children,
1: actually. Four children. Well, how did I miss that? I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, let me introduce you to Rahil, and uh, he is uh, living in the country of Pakistan. So it's up Mm -hmm. to you if you want to give your full name, but I'm going to leave some details out at your discretion. But we welcome you anyway, and we were looking forward to hearing your story. Thank you very much. Tell us about... uh, where you live and a little bit about uh, your your country, perhaps, just to get us some uh, background.
0: Well, Pakistan uh, is the, the neighboring country of China, India, Afghanistan. It's not that huge. It's much smaller than India and China and United States, but it's the fifth most populated country in the world. So. We have lots and lots of people, Uh, and it's the second largest Islamic country in the world. After just a few million more in Indonesia, and uh, then it's Pakistan. It has a long history. We have uh, Harappa. Uh, It's a small city. Harappa and Mohenjo-Daro, those cities are about 3,500 BC old, before Christ. There's uh, history in it, but uh, before 1947, Pakistan and India were one under British rule, and then uh, Pakistan was founded in 1947. Mm -hmm. Before that, we had British rule and Mughals and everything that could happen. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in 1947, Pakistan was, uh, it was created in a sense because, it was some people say you know it got it's independent but uh india got its independence from the british it pakistan was a new country made for Muslims, so uh that's why we have 95% of the population uh, is muslim and uh, other than that we had several martial a uh, parliamentary democracy the best thing is that 80% of our uh, country is youth, too many young people, and because of that, there is a zeal in the country, but somehow uh, there are problems too. So okay. I, I don't want to get into my political details. Yeah, but, well, we, uh, we understand
1: problems. Mm. I think every every country mm. has problems. So yes. just to clarify, before 1947, there was no country of Pakistan. Uh, no. There was only India, and then... Yes. Pakistan created its own country, uh, chiefly as, yes. a, as an Islamic nation.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. Well, now you then are in a mon- minority there. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about your spiritual upbringing or uh, where what religion you adhere to and and how that happened?
0: Like several of the others, my grandfather was a Hindu and. Uh... He converted to Christianity. So my father was a Christian. We had a Presbyterian church in our village. So maybe I was baptized there. I don't know. But, you know, uh, um, infant. Because it would baptism. have been as a so, baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, as an infant. I, My father was a teacher and not a very, you know, a poor man with five sons and a daughter. You know, he couldn't afford. Uh, us giving good education so uh, one of my friend's mother she told him she said you know why don't you send your son uh, to the seminary and uh, he can get good education from there and my father agreed and we didn't know at that time but uh, it was the seventh day at the seminary mm-hmm. <laughs> But before going to the uh, seminary for six months, I I used to go to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and uh, after that, I went to the seminary where I completed my seminary course, and uh, um, that was the start.
1: Did the uh, Seventh-day Adventist seminary shape your beliefs or change them in any way?
0: My youth was not very exciting in a Christian way, you know, (laughs) Uh, maybe no drugs or alcohol, but I used to involved in street fights, and I'm—I mean, I am six feet tall, and I was very healthy and strong. Mm-hmm. So I used to get in street fights, and uh, too many street fights for that matter, and uh, things got really ugly for me. Mm-hmm. I would have gone to jail or something like that, but this, uh, my friend's mother. She was very kind, and she said, you know, you should send your son away to my father. And my father then decided that, you know, it was the right thing to do. And I didn't agree. And uh, the first time I went to seminary after eight days, I ran back home. It's like 1,500 kilometers from my house. So I ran back home, and I said, I don't want to go. And then after six months, uh, again, the next semester, my father insisted, and this time I don't know. My heart just wanted me to go, and uh, I think I strongly believe that it, it was the grace of God. I, I I may not agree with everything the Seventh Day Adventists teach, but I know I had a life that uh, would have ended very badly if I wouldn't have gone. Without any romanticizing and. Uh, when i went to the seminary and after the seminary i came back i worked as the assistant pastor then as pastor of one of the church after that i was asked to work as the health promotion in charge uh, one thing you know uh, the seventh day adventists are very uh, you know keen on the health issues
1: yes i know they're, they're very careful about the health they, do, yes. they don't they don't eat pork mm-hmm and don't eat meat on Fridays. Is that true?
0: They don't eat meat ever. Oh, ever? uh, Yes, people do eat (laughs) secretly, but uh, (laughs) the policy is not to eat meat. I I live in a poor country. Meat is the only proper way of getting protein. (laughs) And to stop people from eating meat or doing this and doing that, it was very hard for me. When you are mentally not much convinced about what you are teaching, then your work suffers. And uh, that's what happened with me. I, I, I was, uh, I told them, you know, I cannot work in the health promotion department. I don't feel that these are principles that should, one should be preaching in Pakistan because it's a very different country. And uh, I would say, you know, don't smoke or don't drink alcohol. Those are good things, but diet and these things. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I left the health promotion department, and then I, you know, started. I I wanted to go back to ministry, but in the meantime, someone gave me a book, and uh, <laughs> about the teachings of Seventh Day Adventist Church. That changed everything for me. It was. Uh, it was a book that challenged. The Adventist beliefs. Yes. Okay. uh, It did. And uh, I just it was a small book, but it saw a seed in my mind that there was something wrong. Before that, I had no questions. Yes, in the seminary I might have a you know a few questions here and there, but there were teachers and uh, they were trained teachers and they were very highly qualified PhDs. They would always answer my questions. And, you know, so, uh, but when I was left free, that's when I started thinking about things. And then I went to the church that Sabbath and I found the most, uh, how you can say, the most educated person in the church at that time. And I asked him one question. I said, what do you think of uh, the investigative judgment?
1: Can you explain, is, is that a Seventh-day seventh Adventist yes. doctrine? Can you explain that to us real briefly? What, what I, will, I
0: will do that. I will do that. So uh, if we believe in investigative judgment, what is Jesus doing at this time? And he said Jesus is taking care of the sins of the world. And that was something that was like, you know, the last nail in the coffin. <laughs> it was yeah. like, I said, you know, if Jesus is taking care of sins at this time, what did he do on the cross? And that was something that changed the whole thing for me. Now, investigative judgment yeah. is uh, a doctrine that only Seventh-day Adventist Church believes. Okay, No one else in the world. So maybe you'll find uh, Sabbath keepers. Maybe you'll find uh, uh, people who have prophets. Maybe you'll find uh, people who have died. Uh, things like the Jehovah's Witnesses and, but investigative judgment you will not find one teaching that only the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So that is the a future judgment. Uh, investigative judgment. That's a future judgment. No, it is not. Uh, <laughs> it is not. Uh, okay, what happened was in eighteen in eighteen forty-four there was a, a there was a Baptist preacher. By the name William Miller. Now, William Miller somehow came to this conclusion after studying the book of Daniel and Daniel 8:14, that in 1844, Jesus will return to this earth and you know burn the whole earth and take his people away to heaven, something like that. And Jesus didn't come. Most of the people were really disappointed, but some say that they saw a vision, and they saw that Jesus, rather than coming to this earth, he moved from the holy place to the most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. Hmm. Okay? Am I making any sense? Well, keep
1: going. We'll see. <laughs> okay. So, um in 18,
0: 1844, he started the investigative judgment, which is that Though our sins are forgiven on the cross, in 1844, Jesus opened the book to see whose sins can be blotted out. Okay? Uh, The sins are forgiven, but they are still in the heavenly sanctuary, And uh, they get blotted out when Jesus looks at the book and he... um, Appeals to God the Father and says, you know, look, this is my believer and he has uh, lived a good life and uh, he has kept the Sabbath and he has done this and he has done that. And he was forgiven because of my uh, sacrifice. So now we can blot his sins out. uh,
1: Ultimately, ultimately, eternal salvation depends then upon an examination of one's (laughs) works and obedience.
0: Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, and some of the people don't call them a cult. I would also uh, not. I don't know. It's in the middle somewhere <laughs> because right. there are. you'll find other churches will say, you know, till you die, you are not like the, the Calvinists. Yeah. You have till the end. Uh, that's how it is. And uh, but ultimately, if you have not done good, you are not saved if you have not kept the Sabbath. Now, there are people who have changed that idea. They say, you know, oh, no, 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 we don't say this. But that is the actual teaching of the church. Some of the people say, okay, you know, not in this world, but in the end times, people who will not keep the Sabbath. If you don't mm, go to the church on Sabbath or Saturday, you will not be forgiven. Yeah, I
1: remember, uh, um, I actually grew up in a uh, community called Tacoma, Tacoma Park, Maryland, (laughs) in the United States, which was the headquarters for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So I had many encounters and debates with Seventh-day Adventists, Uh, Uh, but I have found in moving to Texas that, like you said, some people consider them a cult. I have found others, though, who uh, preach a fairly clear gospel. Um, I don't know what their complete view is or how they extend that into the Christian life, but but anyway, continue your story and tell us how how that changed you and where that journey led to.
0: Now, this investigative judgment is the, uh, how you call it, Achilles' heel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's, that's what it is. And mm-hmm. uh, because with investigative judgment comes soul sleep. Or when you die, you don't have a soul that goes to the Lord. You just, you know, sleep in the grave. And, uh, it's almost
1: like annihilation. you just have no consciousness you call, they yes. call it soul sleep.
0: It is annihilation in a sense because there is a probational time when your sins are forgiven and then blotted out. If you have a soul that goes to the Lord, then investigative judgment fails you know the whole idea fails. So because of that you have to sleep in the grave then you know there is an investigative judgment. And uh, your sins are blotted out, and then you go to heaven. And even then, now you are forgiven on the cross, you go through the investigative judgment, and in the end, your sins are put on Satan because he is the originator of sin. And so he takes your sins to hell, and you are forgiven. That's the end of the story. You make Christ and Satan. Both saviors. Yeah. Yeah. Both Uh, of them sin bearers. Yes. And, you know, people don't understand. This is one doctrine that they hide. They normally don't teach this doctrine. They'll talk about Sabbath. They'll Mm -hmm. talk about the Ten Commandments. They'll talk about other things. But they will not talk about the investigative judgment because most of them don't understand what the investigative judgment is.
1: Well, I can see why.
0: (laughs) I was fortunate enough that I was given a special upper bionineum class in the seminary. I was, you know, uh, in the good students. So I was given this uh, class where I understood what investigative judgment is. Uh, That was something that I said, you know, I'm not going to say a seventh (laughs) day. You don't believe that Christ, you know, uh, ended everything on the cross as far as my is concerned, okay. and you know. So you read this uh, book, and
1: that brought to light some of the questions that caused you to challenge your Seventh Day Adventist belief system, and and then where where did that take you today? Because I know today you have a clear understanding of the gospel.
0: Well, what happened was that uh after leaving the church, I had nothing to do, so I joined a, a private school and I started teaching there. In the meanwhile. I was uh, by a friend. I met a Bible Baptist pastor in Karachi, mm. and uh, that pastor was wonderful. He was an amazing man from the United States, of course. Mm. And uh, because I met several Pakistani pastors, and they had no clue what Seventh day Adventist teachings are. Mm. But this man, when I met him, he said, You know, okay, we'll talk about it. and For two years, two years straight, uh, two days a week, I met him for eight hours. That's 16 hours a week. And for two years, we talked about all those things. So whatever I had learned in four or five years, he cleared those things up in, you know, that two years time. And I was baptized, uh, a Bible Baptist after that. Wow. Two things that I got from that Bible Baptist pastor were clarity on my doctrine. All those problems were taken care of that I had in my mind about the Seventh-day Advent church and dispensationalism. He taught me (laughs) dispensationalism very well. Uh, That was something wonderful that came into my life. And uh, uh, I was still working and I was searching on the Internet surfing the net, looking at uh, websites, and and I saw a Free Grace Alliance website. I read the, what you call it, a doctoral statement? Yes. Yeah, I read the doctoral statement. We call it
1: the covenant, statement. I think, but it is somewhat a doctoral Yes,
0: yeah. Yes. Now, this was about 20 or 20 more than 20 years ago. That was very really long time ago. <laughs> I believe I wrote to you. I said, you know, I like your uh, doctrinal statement and everything. And uh, you know, I became a member of uh, Big Race Alliance. The most important thing for me uh, in that doctrinal statement, the clarity of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, I had never seen that. Uh, I mean, I I went to a, to the seminary. I had studied several books. I met this Bible Baptist pastor. I studied with him for two years. But the clarity of the gospel that I saw in that doctrinal statement, I had not seen it. And I said, wow, I've been missing this. <laughs> you know, wow. uh, I knew what the gospel was, but I was, uh, you know, the way it was clearly presented and the way it was so clear for me that I said, you know, I want to uh, become a member of this uh, alliance. It's a wonderful alliance. And when you learn something new, you get very really excited mm. and you want to, uh, you know, share it with others. And yeah. that's what was happening, you know. Um, I shared it with my wife, my children, my in-laws, my friends, <laughs> I don't know how many people, everyone I met, uh, um, I used to share the gospel. And I, I said, you know, I never understood it so clearly. It's, mm. So clear and so uh, so powerful, and uh, yes, many of the people believed. But the best thing that I think happened in my life was when my parents believed. Oh, I shared with them the gospel, and uh, they believed. Even though they that had
1: was, a history of church attendance,
0: they are well-read people, but uh, then uh, they didn't go to the church that much. But they went to the whatever church they went, they went to the Presbyterian church most of the time. Okay. Now, my father, my mother was from the family of wrestlers, you know, uh, these uh, Pakistani wrestlers. Wrestlers? Yes. My uh, maternal grandfather was a wrestler. He was like, uh, you know, the ones who, amateur wrestlers, the ones who fight in the ring. Yes. 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 My mother was uh, from that family. So though she was very loving, she had a very bad temper. And uh, the day I uh, took the Bible and I said, I want to talk to you about something. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you're not going to teach me uh, to be submissive to my husband. I already (laughs) am. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, no, no. I'm not going to teach you that. (laughs)
1: The
0: greatest
1: greatest fear of becoming a Christian for some that don't understand the Bible and what it means. Uh, uh,
0: Yes. And uh, for three days and three nights, we slept for only a few hours. Mm. Uh, I'm telling you the truth. And it was as if the Holy Spirit continually helped me. Mm. And any question they had, I had the answer to that. Right. I don't know uh, well, how it was happening, but it was the zeal. It was I wanted them to be in heaven with mm-hmm. me. To me, there's a saying. Some people say, you know, um, if you love someone, you let them go uh, free, and then if they come back, you know, something like that.
1: Yeah, if they come and, back, uh, then they really loved you. Yeah. Uh,
0: yes. Yes. I think you know. If you love someone, share the gospel with them. Because if you love someone, you want them in heaven with you. And the gospel is the only way of doing that. That thing just stuck in my mind. As I said, you know, I want my children, my wife, my friends, my family, my parents in heaven with me. And by the grace of God, uh, I'm very sure they, they will be. People talk about change. My father smoked for I don't know uh, 50 years, mm-hmm. and he used to drink also. Even after getting saved, he, he used to drink sometimes, and he smoked. A few years ago, he called me and he said, "You know, I just quit smoking and drinking and everything." And I said, "Just like that?" And he said, "Yes." I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I said, "Praise the Lord!" You know. Uh, it took him a few years, but mm-hmm. uh, there it is. You know, the, I mean, his, life his life
1: change was a response to grace because he wanted to, not because he had to. Like some people teach under a system of legalism, where you have to stop drinking and smoking to be a Christian,
0: even. Yes, yes, it was. It was uh, never like that. That I have, you know, I have to do it. No, he he just. Felt that I don't want to do it anymore. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know what happened. I really cannot explain because I never thought that he could leave smoking. 50 years. Yeah, that's a <laughs> difficult know. habit to break. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And, so. and uh, I just wanted to share that. I, I, the day my parents said, yes, we believe, we think that, you know, whatever it is, it is the truth. Uh-huh.
1: That's that a, was the most amazing.
0: Day. Yes, it was the most amazing day for me when I saw my wife doing that. My children, when we sit down and pray, and sometimes, and I ask them, So what do you think? Why you'll be saved, or some questions like these?" And mm-hmm. they can explain the gospel very clearly. And that's a happy day for me. Amen. And uh, <laughs> you know, well, that's I can. Hear, uh,
1: we can hear the happiness in your voice. I'm. I'm wondering. Uh, <laughs> So when you came to a clear understanding of the gospel, even though Pakistan has a Christian uh, minority, uh, I'm sure that they don't all believe the same. So what kind of reaction did you get from other Christians and churches?
0: How can I explain
1: it? <laughs> were they were they resistant to your gospel message or did they grasp it or did they reject it?
0: You remember when I was young, I was into street fights right i um then when i came to believe in the gospel i was like uh, some people called me the punching pastor the punching pastor <laughs> i could you know get very forceful with my um, argument and um. you know uh, at at times a little angry too oh, don't you see this in the bible it's very clear <laughs> and you know the Lord has changed me a lot and uh, slowly. But uh, at that time, I, I, I just wanted everyone to hear it. Even the pastors who used to visit me at home, I used to take out my Bible and spend, take their hours and hours of their time trying to uh, question and argue with them. And, you know, why don't you see this? And uh, uh, it was very it was really exciting for me. It was something so exciting and so, and uh, I now regret sometimes that I was like, you know, not very gentle. Yeah. Uh, uh, That's how, you know, I I think there's
1: a lot of us that can identify (laughs) with the zeal, the newfound passion that we find in the gospel freedom and uh, the zeal that we have for it. And and yet it becomes a little overbearing sometimes because uh, when we, Talk to others. We're just too excited, and they're not quite receptive yes. to that. So we we understand yes. that we have to. The Holy Spirit has to mellow us out a little bit. I think it's uh, yeah. more effective. But um, you were able to make some progress and help some people understand a, a gospel of grace. Mm.
0: I started translating some books. I translated your book, uh, a couple of them, three of them actually, and then a few other books from other authors. Uh, from English to Urdu because I wanted the material to go, uh, you know, we always need in Pakistan, there is always need of good books.
1: So you translated English to Urdu. I just want to repeat the, that because yes. some people don't know that uh, in Pakistan the uh, language is Urdu. So you translated yes, it, some of my books it, and some other books.
0: Yes, it is what you call it, the official language of Pakistan, but uh, I think more than i be very exact. 230 million people worldwide speak that language. So uh, it's the 10th most spoken language in the oh. world. So, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, so we translated some books. And then uh, I met someone, uh, a donor from uh, United States, who was a free grace uh, person, very nice. And uh, we started a ministry in Pakistan. And uh, we started about 30 churches, we spoke to huge crowds, and uh, about 1,000 baptisms in two years' time.
1: 1,000 baptisms?
0: Yes. And people were hungry. People wanted to hear that message. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I went to the seminary, and I read many books, and I worked with the pastor, and I was not clear on the gospel, just imagine the normal people who just, you know, go to church every Sunday. They had no clue. And it was something new and something exciting for them, too, like it was for us. And uh, But then our donor got into a bad patch financially and, uh, you know, things got very hard for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to fold the ministry. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, not only for the ministry, things got very really tough for me. That's where, you know, he helped us for, uh, for uh, some time after that, but then he had to quit doing that, and we uh, got into a difficult situation. Because Pakistan, just today, uh, just yesterday, 100,000 people were thrown out of their jobs in one city. 100,000. Wow. Just in one city, just like that. I said, go home. We don't have work for you. So, Um, you know. (laughs) So unemployment is a problem
1: in Pakistan, but especially if you're in a minority religion, uh, it makes it more difficult. What other challenges do you face as a minority?
0: Well, if you are are a minority, that's not just uh, joblessness or uh, unemployment. We don't First of all, we don't get many jobs, okay? You don't get what? uh Many jobs. Oh, many jobs, okay. Even if you are qualified, uh, you don't get many jobs, okay? You'll get very menial jobs. Even if you are educated, people call a sweeper, which is like someone who uh, opens the sewers and, <laughs> uh, you know, something like Somebody sweepers. Who- Cleans toilets or something. Uh, yes, someone like that. Even if you are qualified, if you have a master degree, even if mm. you have a PhD, you will be called a sweeper. Mm. Uh, it's a it's a uh, how you say it derogatory term.
1: Derogatory, yeah.
0: Yes, that is uh, you know used for Christians and sometimes for Hindus too, and um, it hurts. Sometimes it hurts mm-hmm. because. Every government tries to keep the minorities safe. So uh, the government is not the problem. Then there is a law in Pakistan, which is called the blasphemy law. And uh, it says that if you say anything against the holy book of Islam or the holy prophet, you will be punished. And that punishment is death. Okay, that's a law. Uh, yeah. That's constitution. That's the law. And actually, no, not normally, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the Christians are they will follow the constitution. They will not say anything against the majority. They don't. Yeah. I know yeah. that. Understood. So it's it's the misuse of that blasphemy law. Just last week, there was a lady at the airport. She was the security guard. It was her duty not to let the, uh, you know, the cars out of the airport without checking them. You know, you can be doing smuggling or anything, you know. Yeah. And it was her duty to check those cars. And she wanted to check one car. And that person came out the, out of the car and he said, you know, I'm going to call the uh, clerics right now. And I will tell them that you have blasphemed against the Holy Prophet. And we'll cut you here into pieces, right Mm. here. And now that lady, I don't know how it happened. Maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe she was very wise. She recorded everything on the phone. And, you know, I made a video of it. And that person was, you know, though he was not punished, he had to lose his job. And uh, that lady was, she just survived. But if there was no video or if that person would have, uh, you know, succeeded in what he was trying to do, it would have been normal. It's Mm -hmm. normal in Pakistan. Sorry? I do read of
1: instances where people are killed under the blasphemy law.
0: Yes. You know, it's not something that happens to an individual. It's villages,
1: Uh, whole
0: villages. Mm -hmm. They'll burn the whole village. They'll burn everything. They, yeah. You have to run, leave your house. If you know, I mean, you have a good piece of land, and someone says, "Okay, you know, I need this land." Yeah. You have a beautiful daughter. You get angry at someone. You are asked to convert to Islam, and you say no. You know, they don't want you to cross the the road in front of their house. Anything can happen. Your boss praised you. And uh, someone got jealous or there was a glass in, you know, in a hotel yeah. and you drank out of it and uh, you have to pay for it or anything. Can, uh it's, <laughs> you know, it's, but you know, we are born here and yeah. we have to live here. My idea is, I think, you know, even if you cannot convert anyone, you can Show them the good side of Christianity because there are uh, there are uh, wrong ideas about Christianity among the majority. Like yeah. they think that you know uh, Mary was the wife of uh, God. Hmm. That's what you know. They think that's what Christians believe, mm-hmm. and God slept with her, which is like, ooh, that's that would, that's ter- that would terrib- be terrible. Terrible blood, almost. Yeah, yes, but. That's what they are taught sometimes. And someone needs to talk to those people. Someone needs to explain to them. I, I was reading a book one day, and he said, don't point fingers on them. Don't try to uh, say insulting thing about things about other religions. Make your religion so shiny, so beautiful, that people are attracted to uh, your religion. They want to know more about it. And I think the gospel message is the uh, that thing, good the shiny words, <laughs> the shiny yeah. ornament that people yeah. are attracted to. Those, and, are good, uh, those are good words. Let me uh, um,
1: let me uh, just reflect on your situation. It, it's difficult to be in a minority uh, religion, and it because of that, it's very very difficult to find work. And I know you've struggled with that. And it, and it really puts puts you in a uh, impoverished situation, even though you have excellent training. I know you're a, a brilliant thinker and uh, did great translation work, uh, and you have thankfully been able to get some a little bit of work outside of the country. But some of that has evaporated. Uh, but for those who are listening, can you, you have such a zeal and passion for the gospel message as we've heard in your voice? the exuberance about sharing it with your family and your over-exuberance maybe about sharing it with other pastors. But what is your what is your vision for meeting the spiritual needs in your country today?
0: Well, what would you uh, like to
1: see happen? What, what do you, would your part in that be?
0: First of all, I think that we need a new Bible translation in order. Now, people can question my uh, intention and people can say, we don't need a, a new Bible translation. We already have a good one. It's a good translation. I will give that. But when it comes to Paul's letters, which are the most important thing for the churches and the gospel preaching and everything, the translation gets very ambiguous. It, yeah. it's, you can't even understand what, and I have a seminary degree and I read books. I translate books. And I'm telling you the truth. I don't understand many parts when it comes to, and it's not just the philosophy. It's uh, when you take an English version, you understand what Paul is saying. So it's not the the philosophy that you are not understanding. Right. It's not the, the the logic that you are not understanding. It's the translation. So uh, there's
1: a great need to translate the the epistles, and you are trans- pressure translation. Are you working on that?
0: Well. I think, you know, we need a, a, a complete translation, a new translation of the New Testament and the Old Testament, the whole thing. Right. And uh, first of all, Urdu Bible was, the final version was in 1890 somewhere. And they decided that they want to go for um, the critical text. Mm-hmm. and uh, Alan,
1: critical text, uh, because, yes, yes. because a couple copies were deemed to be the oldest and therefore the best not everybody yes. that theory i actually don't agree with that theory but so that the newer translation is based on that theory of manuscripts
0: yes yes okay so uh, uh we thought you know we talked among friends and we talked about with other people and uh, we decided you know we need a new translation in Urdu but we are not going to use the critical text we are going to use the traditional text and uh, that's what we are we have decided to do though i would have loved to translate directly from the new king james version but uh, there's a copyright issue and i don't know you know a small ministry like us can get those permissions yeah. so uh, what we did was that we went for world english bible which is uh, a public domain bible based on majority text very close to new king james Almost identical at times. Then we have we are using Thomas Newbridge's, uh Interlinear, mm-hmm. and then we are using the Logos Bible uh, software uh, for word studies and things like that. Well, okay, and well,
1: uh, I'm glad you have the Logos available to you.
0: Yes, um, yes.
1: Besides Bible translation, uh, what other kind of ministry have you been able to do?
0: I'm hoping and praying that we can open an online Bible school, you know, and because, uh, again, 82 million internet users in Pakistan, uh, it's, I I think it's the seventh in the world of internet users. So, yes, and uh, many internet users. So an online Bible seminary would fit in very beautifully.
1: So an online Bible seminary for for anyone in the 82 million uh, internet users in your country. And uh, you're translating, I'm I'm sure, some books for that. And if somebody's listening here and wanted to send you some materials for use in that, maybe a course or curriculum or something, you'd, you would welcome that, I'm sure.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, we would be very glad to have that. See, actually, uh, we have talked about other things, but we didn't talk about the condition of the church in Pakistan it's not very really nice to say uh you know in the most mild words you know cults the teaching aberrant uh okay. yes uh and uh, all sorts of people uh you can get ta- Holy Spirit in, tablets. Uh, in tablet uh tablets yes not the PC tablet a tablet that yeah. is built. a pill a pill uh, yes you know, yes. uh, interestingly, Raheel, uh,
1: I was talking to a Pakistani friend today, this morning, and he was oh. saying, he was asking me if I had any good books to recommend on the Holy Spirit, because he was saying that the churches in Pakistan uh, have all different views of the Holy Spirit. And and your example of taking a pill to get the Holy Spirit is one such example. They really need yes. some pneumatology or teaching on the Holy Spirit there.
0: Yes, Plus, you know what happens is that suppose I am a young person uh, and I have just completed my high school and I have the zeal of teaching the uh, the word of God to people. Now, going to a seminary is a is a problematic thing. People are poor, very poor, and they want to stay at home so they they can provide for their families, for their parents, for their brothers and sisters, right. for their own family, and. Uh, so they won't. They cannot go to a seminary for five years and then stay there in the hostel and uh, you know uh, study and do things. Right. And uh, but there, there is a zeal of teaching the word of God. So what they go, they'll go to a small Christian bookstore that we have in the city and they'll buy buy a book like um, sermons of uh, Charles Spurgeon right. uh, translated into Urdu and they'll start preaching. From that book, just yeah. that sermon book. Yeah, but, not really having a theological system. They just yes. whatever they read. Yes. And so uh, having an online Bible school will help those people. Most importantly, those people. They really want to do it. I have met so many people who really want to preach the Word of God, but they cannot go to the seminary. And having an online Bible where they can learn, and then you can can go out to their families, to their communities, to their uh, uh, areas, and teach and preach the word of God and the the gospel with clarity. Mm -hmm. That would, you know,
1: that would change so many things. The the internet has made uh, some options, opportunities, unbelievable opportunities, especially in places like Pakistan, where people can't just go to a seminary. They have to yes. themselves and their families, but they can learn online. And and I I can vouch for your translation abilities because you've done work for us and other ministries, and people can hear your your mastery of the English language even now. Um, so that if they sent you materials, they would be in good hands for translation. But that you have to feed your family too, and I know income is an issue. So if there's someone who wants a book translated into Urdu, hopefully they'd also be able to uh, find, give you some financial uh, recompense for your work uh, to see that done. And um, if people wanted to help you with this online seminary, they would be able to do that. We we can give your email address perhaps in the text uh, of the podcast and they can, or they can contact me or you directly, but there, there are ways that we can help you financially as uh, grace life has done in the past and we're happy to do it. Um, so we'll, we'll give that some of that information when we post the podcast, uh, but we appreciate your passion for your country. It's uh it's such an amazing field and evidently such a fertile field. When we talk about 1,000 baptism in two years' time, that's just amazing. And um, I, it's obvious what God's grace has done in your life and how it is shaping your ministry right now. And so we're just so excited to hear about it. And I, I think like we could talk forever, but I think we're going to have to yes. probably close the conversation up. Is there anything else, any other thoughts you want to leave us with?
0: Uh. Uh, There are so many, so many things to talk about, uh, as you know, but uh, it was wonderful. Thank you very much for this opportunity. God bless you.
1: Thank you, Rahil. Thank you for being with us today. And hopefully there's someone listening who will see a burden for uh, millions of people in uh, Pakistan who need to hear a clear gospel of grace. And you could be the channel for that. And hopefully they'll get involved. So. We've heard today the story of Raheel who's come out of uh, uh, a church background, but into another background that was very legalistic in their views. And finally he was able to get some material that helped him come into the light, so to speak, and clarify his gospel. And then he got in touch with the Free Grace Alliance and saw what the Free Grace Alliance was propagating as far as a clear gospel, and he, he liked that. And the gospel that the Free Grace Alliance and Grace Life preaches is that the, Jesus, the Son of God, came and paid the price for our sins because we're all sinners in God's eyes, and that's, that sin separates us from God. And yet Jesus came as the Son of God, and took who God who took on flesh, and he died on the cross as a man uh, because he was also human. And he paid the price for that sin. He could pay the eternal price for our sins because he's also the eternal son of God. And then he rose from the dead. Uh, And because he's risen, he could make us a promise that he would give us eternal life. Should we just trust him for it, believe him for it, accept that gift, personally appropriate that. And so if anyone's listening here who has doubts about their salvation, not sure about how to get to heaven, how how to be in God's kingdom in the future, it's just a matter of believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior and accepting his free gift of eternal life. It's not by works, not by what we do. God's not going to evaluate us at the end of our life to see if we're worthy of heaven. We're, we'll never be worthy of heaven. Only Jesus is. But with him as our Savior, he'll give us eternal life and we can be with him forever. That's the message that uh, changes lives like that. and. Be sure to, uh, maybe you might want to drop Raheel an encouraging note if you're listening to this. Um, You can also contact us at Grace Life on our website, gracelife.org. Comment on the podcast here. Give us a rating and uh, share it with other people who need to hear that. We appreciate Raheel and his time today, his passion for the gospel. And it it was a wonderful time talking to him. So until all here, grace and peace to you.